Welcome to It's Astrological, the podcast where we talk about astrology as self-care. I'm your host, Lynette Winterstrom. Have you ever felt like you're just not meant to do one thing for the rest of your life? Or maybe felt like escaping the corporate grind to travel the world and be your own boss? Well, podcast queen and host of In My Non-Expert Opinion, Chelsea Reif, is on the pod today and has done both of those things. Today, she and I chat about her journey as a shape-shifting globetrotter and entrepreneur and how she taps into her spirituality to support her in making some pretty big decisions. Chelsea was my podcast coach, aka a founding contributor of the podcast you're listening to right now, and she is such an incredible expander when it comes to having a clear vision of how you want and don't want to live your life and actually bringing that vision to life. She's currently in the first month of a four-month trip with Remote Year, starting in Cape Town and ending in Split, Croatia. So if you haven't gotten to know her podcast, now is the perfect time to start so you can hear all about her adventures and see how it aligns with the locational astrology we talked about on her podcast last week. We had so much fun talking about travel, spirituality, entrepreneurship, transformation, and of course, astrology. I can't wait for you to listen. So here we go. Hi, Chelsea. Welcome to It's Astrological. I'm so happy to have you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. Chelsea is my podcast coach. She is a key founding member, basically, of this podcast. (laughs) So I was just telling her, I kind of feel like this is like my final for the course, but um, I'm excited because I think we're just going to have so much fun chatting today. Oh my God, I cannot wait. And your podcast is already (laughs) incredible, so no need to have any nerves. Well, thank you. So as I mentioned, Chelsea was my podcast coach, but she does so much more than that. And she has so many adventures to share. So Chelsea, if we could just start out, where in the world are you today? Very exciting news. And what's your cultural background? I am in Cape Town, South Africa right now. I'll be here for the next month. I just got here last week. And my cultural background, I am from Florida. My mom is Puerto Rican. Uh, born and raised there and then moved to Florida, met my dad. And my dad is, you know, quote unquote American. But according to my ancestry DNA, a lot of my ancestry is from like Portugal, Spain, Africa, um, Germany, the Nordic area. So yeah, getting super deep on my DNA if you wanted to know that. (laughs) I did. That's so cool. And I think just having that context probably explains a little bit about your connection to all the places that you've traveled and where you want to travel. So yes. I'm sure we'll dig into that a little bit more. Absolutely. You just kicked off a pretty epic adventure working remotely around the world with Remote Year. What inspired you to take that leap? So basically for most of my 20s, I was working in corporate America and I just remember my job was in influencer marketing. And so I would watch influencers and content creators make money from their creations. And I was like, why am I not doing that? Like, this could be my life. And I know how to do that. I went to school for that. So in 2019, I quit my job and I was like, I'm going to work remote. I'm going to do the whole like work wherever thing, bring my laptop anywhere to a beach, to a cafe, whatever. But unfortunately, I didn't really have a plan. I was just like, I'm moving to Australia. Uh, Got there, didn't have a plan. And so I ended up working a bunch of random hospitality jobs to make ends meet. And eventually the pandemic hit. And I was like, 
this is it. This is the time that I could start to really take whatever business ideas I have seriously. So I started playing around with different things like teaching yoga online, teaching about mindset manifestation, teaching about podcasting. And eventually podcasting is the thing that really stuck. And so once I figured out, okay, this is something that can sustain me. It's something I like doing. I can help people do it too. I have the results. I have the testimonials. Like I don't have the fear of having to go back to a corporate job. Let me try to actually really do the remote work thing. Because again, in Australia, people are always like, well, you already worked remote in Australia. I was like, no, I worked hospitality jobs because I didn't have a plan Mm -hmm. and I never had my own business. And then the pandemic hit. So that was never really the vision I had in my head. So remote year, I just remember seeing it, I think on online somewhere. And then my cousin had done it and hearing his experience. He was like, it was the best thing ever. I had the time of my life. I still talk to all the people in the program. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do it. So yeah, I'm on a track right now where we start in Cape Town and then we go to Valencia, Spain, Lisbon, Portugal, and split Croatia. So how do you balance? I mean, you're basically working remotely with a group of people. I mean, you could do that by yourself. So like, why are you doing this through remote year? So I did that by myself basically last year. Um, I lived in Germany, even though it wasn't remote, I still was alone working all the time remote. Like I wasn't traveling um, and I had Mm -hmm. my own desk. I had my own space and everything. And it was really isolating. And I saw the places where I thrived most were communities. When I really started joining memberships and online communities, I was like, this is the missing puzzle piece that I have been missing for a very long time. So when that clicked of like, I need to be in community with people, doing it in person, that started translating to working remote with other people. Um, I also went on a solo trip around Europe last year, and I was bopping around so much, and it was exhausting trying to make new friends in every city, figuring out where to co-work, trying to figure out where to eat. It was just the mental energy and decision-making I had to do every day. It, It ended up being a trip where I was like, that was just like a lot. Like it was fun, but I don't remember it being like pleasurable. So I was like, let me try this again and do it a different way. And I will say that community element really drew me in, but also just the full service aspect of I don't have to think of where I'm sleeping, where I'm co-working. We have city guides here that will give us any recommendations. It's almost like you're going on a retreat, but to work. (laughs) So it's like, I don't need to think about all those other things. So that's really what drew me into to this specific experience. And you're only doing it for four months, even though the name is remote year. So do you have an option to like extend or do another one? Or yeah. what are your thoughts about that? So when I joined, they only had one month, four months or 12 months. And I was like, one month is way too little. 12 months is a lot. And they go literally all over the world. And I was just like, I don't know if I can commit to that. Let me give four months a shot. Um, while we were here, they rolled out a membership where you can actually do like one week, you can do one month, and now you can build your own track kind of. So my track was very specific. Like you go to these specific cities. Now I could mix and match. I could go to like Japan, Peru, Chicago. Like I could make up my own track. So I thought that was pretty genius. And now I definitely want to keep extending my trip. So right now my plans are maybe Italy in November, but that could change because they have so many amazing locations. Wow. The world is literally your oyster. I know. I'm like, thank you, Remote. You're like, they're making all my dreams come true. I love that for you. So we talked about your locational astrology map when we recorded your pod. And I know you've only been there like a week and a half, two weeks. Yeah, a week and a half. Not very long. 
because we talked literally like the day before yeah. <laughs> you flew out. <laughs> so has anything that we talked about for Cape Town struck a chord with you yet? Or are you still just kind of getting acclimated and figuring out what the heck you're doing? I, I am figuring out what the heck I'm doing. I will tell you, I don't know if it's my age, the pandemic, what happened working remote by myself for a year, being around this many people and this socializing has wiped me out. Like, I actually had to turn down plans on the weekend this year, which I've never done. I love going out on the weekends. Like I love meeting people. I love being out and about. And I had so much FOMO, but I'm like my body, my immune system, my sleep is suffering because the the good and bad side of traveling remote is someone is always doing something. There are people always hiking, biking, running, going to a pub. And you're like, I want to do it all and see it all. So literally yesterday I was thinking about this where I'm like, I feel like I've been here for an entire month. Like, this is absolutely nuts. So yeah, I haven't even had the time to reflect on our conversation because I'm like, where am I? What time is it? Am I like, am I in the right place at the right time? It's a lot adjusting to this type of lifestyle. And I think when you travel more than ever, you see like time is just a construct, right? Because you see it expand or contract based on like how many hours you're stuck in an airport when it feels like it's an eternity or like it, it you feel like you've been there for a month, even though you've been there for a week and a half. But I bet the days feel really long because you're just like, there's so much to do. So, so I totally get that. Like, I feel like travel, you're like, what time is it? What day is it? Where am I? Like, yes. <laughs> who's doing what? <laughs> even when you said a week and a half, I was like, no, I've been here longer. And I'm like, no, it's literally been 10 days, but like you just said the not only does the time zone difference make a huge uh, difference obviously but then the way my days were structured are totally different now so i do so many different things in the morning and i work later in the afternoons and even that model flipped on its head is such a different like you just said time construct my mind is like what's happening so yeah it's a lot well we did talk about you feeling like this there we talked about you're like where there's so many plans but like i feel like i just want time for myself and to go take a walk or whatever and you know i think it's because you have your moon midheaven line there and it's kind of that balance between nurturing yourself but also wanting to be seen so i think that sounds like it's happening yes but you already knew about that before like even when we talked you were like i don't know if i want to like do all these things and it seems like a lot so yeah it is really interesting. interesting yeah the locational astrology then was definitely spot on and I've been telling people, and it's funny because I never used to identify like this, where I'm like, I feel like a hermit crab, where I'm like, woo, let's come out of my shell and play and have all the fun and run around on the beach. And then I'm like, boop, back into the shell. Don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> want to eat dinner alone. Want to watch TV alone. So yeah, it's, it's just interesting that when you're younger, you just don't think you're going to become like this. I'm like, no, I love being around people all the time. And now I'm like, no, sorry, I'm not going to dinner. I have to be alone. I get that. I, I'm the opposite, but... I, I appreciate the alone time. Yes. <laughs> it's my jam. <laughs> Love the alone time. So you touched on this a little bit, but you have really done so much. I've been binging your podcast for the past <laughs> few weeks, and I'm just picking up on each piece of your journey over the, over the past few years. And I'm like, wow, she has just really done it all. <laughs> I've been keeping up on your travels and like you have worked on mindset and manifestation coaching, and then you did some yoga and then you did a meditation and now you're doing podcasts and monetization. And it sounds like maybe you're exploring maybe some travel offerings and things like that. So what I'm super interested in talking to you about is how have you embraced this fluidity and really expansive approach in your business and your life? Because I feel like a lot of people are just like, I have to do one thing and I can't change. And 
for you, you've just been going with the flow and like following whatever you're going to tell me it is that's helped guide you. (laughs) Yeah, I would say, honestly, working in corporate America for six years and doing the same thing every day over and over again, weeks after week, you know, month after month, year after year, it just really dawned on me. It was almost like this vision. I will actually say, I've never really said this on a podcast. I think I'm a bit clairvoyant where I tend to like see things like I can visualize how it's going to go or how I feel or whatever the case is. So anyway, side tangent, I just had this vision where I could almost see myself being 50. And I'm like, this is it, Chelsea. Like, this is your life. You don't, there's no summer break coming back. You're not a kid anymore. Like college spring break is not a thing. You don't get three weeks off over winter break. You don't, like, that's not your life anymore. And that really started to sink in, especially when I would take my vacation where, you know, you bank up all your PTO and you try to take a Euro trip and you're running around three cities in 10 days. And you're like, that was it. That was the big fun of the year. And then maybe a few of the holidays, which are never that fun because you're stressed out running around, meeting with your family and like still kind of trying to work. Also, the good and bad thing that happened to me in my corporate job was I hit success really early. So I was a manager at 25. I hit the president's club where I was selling my quota um, every single quarter. I got sent on a trip to Hawaii. And I don't say that to brag. I say that because That was something that I thought I would do when I was like 40. So to hit all that success by 25 or 26, you're kind of like, again, this is it. Like you just hit this limit and this wall where I'm like, yeah, I could get promoted to director. I could make more money. But like the time that you're in this office and the vacation and the structure of this job does not change your responsibilities, maybe, but that's it. And that really motivated me to be like, is this what you want to do with your life? And often spirituality helps you make these decisions where, you know, I don't know what happens when you pass away, but if, if there is a higher power or there's someone that you talk to and they're like, so what did you do with your life? Like, did you do everything you wanted to do? And I thought of myself, like asking that question, it was like, no, like I wanted to travel the world. I wanted to write a book. I wanted to help so many different people. I wanted to live in different places and I wasn't doing any of that. So I knew no, this is like not for you. This this lifestyle is not for you. Um, I will say the fluidity part of like changing different jobs and and you know going from yoga to mindset to podcast coaching was not okay. It was an easy transition for me to make. Like I do think I'm good at cutting things off and being like let's switch to it. But it's not always easy for me to accept it, and it's actually something I still struggle with. Like do I seem wishy-washy? Is my, you know, am I confusing to people? Do people not get it? Are people um, misunderstanding what I'm doing? But actually someone who really inspired me recently was Glow Graphics. I don't know if you know her on Instagram. She does the most incredible graphics. She was really instrumental during the whole civil rights movement in 2020. She's been doing this kind of like life update every day. She's just doing like a post every day about her life and where she's at. And she's like, I want to do like five different jobs throughout my life. Like whatever I'm doing now is not what I want to be doing in five years. And I'm like, yes, that's how I feel. Like I want to live in Berlin and write a novel. I want to live for like three months in a jungle and not speak to anyone and like create art. I want to do podcast coaching and bop around and help everyone launch podcasts. And I think, again, when I go back to that question, if there is a higher power or something, even if your life flashes before our eyes, we've heard that we've heard people say that that actually does happen. I've seen on shows where people almost passed away and by a miracle, they came back and they're like, I literally saw my life flash before my eyes. 
I want to have a colorful life full of so many experiences and people. And I knew the way I was living in corporate America was not going to offer that. So that's why it's made it easy to bop around so much because yeah, money is great. You know, being, you know, having an amazing body, having a partner, whatever, like that stuff to me at the end of the day is not making a colorful life. And so now that really motivates me. Like, am I living my most colorful life? And, and again, going back to the higher power, I don't think we were all put here to do one thing. Like, why would we have all these senses and talents and thoughts and ideas if if we were only supposed to do one thing? I actually think it's kind of crazy that a lot of us only do one thing for our whole lives because I don't think that's how we were actually meant to be here on Earth. Woo! A lot. Motivational speech. I loved it. <laughs> and I'm glad I got the exclusive that you think you're a little clairvoyant. Yeah, I <laughs> Has that played into these shifts that you made in terms of like changing from the mindset to yoga to podcasting like do you have a spidey sense do you tap into your intuition Mm. what has guided you in in those changes in spite of the fear worrying about being wishy-washy I think what helps me make those decisions to transition is I start to really future cast of like where is this going and what's the next level and how is it going to feel and I with yoga specifically um I jump into things fast like I don't I'm very impulsive and that's something I've learned to like slow down and maybe take a little more time thinking things through. But with yoga, I was like, boom, don't care. We're starting to teach online. I like switched my, I used to have a Facebook group that was about something else. And I was like, it's becoming a yoga group. I'm teaching yoga, da da da. And then I started almost being a little delusional about it where I was like, this is going to be an app. Like I'm going to create a yoga app where people are going to learn. I was talking to app builders. I was talking to PR teams to try to get me in magazines. Like I was a little bit crazy during the pandemic, <laughs> which I kind of love because I'm like, you have to be a little crazy to, to have really big dreams. But dream big. Yeah, I was like, because <laughs> of that, it started to really play out. Like, wait a second, Chelsea, let's really think about the day to day of running a yoga app. Do you know how much content you're going to have to put in an app? How many videos you're going to have to shoot? How much money you would have to spend on video production, building an app? And I think that's something I'm good at is really thinking about the steps. And I was like, not only does that sound like a lot, my body was getting actually pretty burnt out from even teaching yoga three times a week. And I also had private clients. So I was like, I don't even think I'm physically ready to to do that level of a commitment to yoga. So with that specifically, I was like, it also made me realize it was taking something I loved and trying to monetize it. And I realized I didn't need to do that with everything in my life. I always had loved yoga to decompress, meditate, stretch. I had, you know, it was always like a, an alone time thing. And then all of a sudden trying to turn it into this big production and we're going to make an app and we're going to teach, we're going to go live and, you know, plazas and do yoga. It was like, no, like that's not what I want it to be. So that was pretty easy to transition out of because of how quick I was going with the process. And then mindset manifestation stuff I loved doing in the beginning because I could see very quick transformations of my clients and I could just see, you know, that light bulb go off. And it's it's what you hope as a coach to help people with is I want to see them make that progress from A to B and that would always happen. But what I started realizing is because coaching is unregulated and mindset is such a broad topic. There were definitely a lot of clients coming to me that were more candidates for legitimate therapy. And I ended up taking a course about the difference between mindset coaching and therapy. And I was like, wow, yeah, a lot of my clients actually deal with real depression or anxiety. I'm not trained to do that. I was using my own life experience and a few courses I had taken to to be coaching. 
And I realized I was bringing on a lot of people that, again, I don't, I wasn't necessarily like qualified to be helping. And emotionally, it was a lot. It was people coming to me about losing weight, breaking up with their partner, having a baby, wanting to quit their job. And I'm like, this is just too much emotional overload for me. Like I am a sensitive person. And I, I quickly about after a year, I was like, this is just not working anymore. And again, going back to the future casting, I was like, okay, how, if you're scaling this, the way it's going to get bigger is you're just going to be helping more people or at a higher level. You're already doing this and you're a little burnt out. Imagine if this gets bigger. And I think that again, is what drives me. So yeah, to, I, this is a long answer to your question, but I think really thinking about the day to day and the work is what drives me of like, what am I actually going to be doing every day to see that vision come to life? Is it fun? Does it feel good? Can I mentally, emotionally, physically, you know, have the bandwidth to handle that? Okay, then yes, let's get it going. Otherwise, it's, it does come down to like, do I feel good? Do I make my clients feel good? Do I like doing this? Do they like hanging out with me in this container? Then yes, let's do it. Um, so yeah, that's a, a long answer to your question. Well, I've been dying to ask you this last question before we dive into astrological stuff. You know, the theme has been about transformation, but on your podcast cover art, there's a big green snake. <laughs> and I know what I think that means, but it's your podcast cover art. So why the snake? Oh my gosh. I was so uh, motivated, not motivated, inspired by the snake symbol when I was in Bali. So I had my, when I quit my job, I literally did the eat, pray, love thing. I went and did my yoga training in Bali. I was there for a month. I didn't work for like two more months and I was just like bopping around Australia. And it was really in Bali where I started to see how conditioned I was about, you know, being a hard worker and sacrifice and, you know, you're only the best when you make it to the top and make this much money and have this type of body and so much about status. And when I was in Bali, hanging out with the people there, my yoga group was very diverse. We had people from all over. And I was fortunate enough to have people in that group that were very direct and honest with me, where they would just be like, oh, I think it's a little ego driven or like, you know, you're always talking about like I was complaining about the logistics of the program and they're like, we're in Bali, like we're on island time, like relax, run in a corporate office to having to jump on a Zoom meeting at four. And I was like, wow, yeah, they're right. And it was during that experience where I noticed my relationship with spirituality changed and I started going to, you know, cacao ceremonies and um, prayer circles and all these different things. And there was so much like shedding from me, releasing. And I was like, I literally feel like I'm shedding skin and I'm just constantly shedding and there's like a new layer to uncover. And obviously the animal associated with shedding is a snake. And then I looked up the meaning and it means like power and fertility and rebirth. And again, the symbolism of it constantly sheds its skin. It resonated with me so much. I was like, that's how I feel. I feel like I am constantly shedding my skin and I don't think that's going to stop. So I ended up getting a tattoo on my arm funny story I drew it myself and the tattoo artist said it looked like a sperm so I <laughs> I said okay never mind you should draw it so he ended up drawing it so I do not have a sperm on my arm if you see me it is a snake um, and then yeah I wanted that to be really part of the symbolism in my work because as you said I, I think that's something as I get older and it kind of ties back to the conversation we're having of embracing the fluidity instead of trying to um, stick to one thing and be known as one thing 
I want to be known as someone that always evolves and is shedding their skin and like, yeah, you expect me to change in a few years and maybe even a few months. And I think that's why I wanted the symbolism to be so clear on my cover art and my body. <laughs> yes. Snakes, not sperm. <laughs> yes. Snakes, not sperm. <laughs> Dear God. Thank God I know you when you that. said you drew it yourself, I was like, well, if I drew mine, it would just be like a squiggly line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I have no idea. He was snake. like, uh, what do you want on your arm? <laughs> whatever you draw for me well I was so like because the snake I think the first thing people think of is transformation shedding the skin all of that symbolism but it's a very Scorpio animal Scorpio uh, trait and well not a Scorpio trait Scorpios aren't snakes they're scorpions (laughs) but (laughs) but immediately I just went to your chart and I was like what did she have in Scorpio and you have Pluto in Scorpio which is its happy place Pluto is the modern ruler of Scorpio and it's in your third house which I thought was really relevant because Pluto moves so slowly it's a generational placement so pretty much everyone around your age has Pluto in Scorpio but your third house is about communication and community and so that immediately resonated with me because that's what you've been doing for the past however many years. You've been transforming yourself, transforming how you communicate, and helping others do that same thing, which I know you're a reflector in human design, but I think those tie together because really the Plutonian energy of adapting um, and transforming, and you have a sextile to the moon that connects to your ability to adapt to any energy that's around you and to like actually tap into the emotional depths that sometimes people aren't super comfortable with. And like a reflector needs that ability in order to be able to actually reflect back to the remaining 99% of the population, kind of what's going on. So I just thought that was super cool. And I'm glad to hear your take on the snake as well, because Obviously, my first thing is like, oh, what's in the chart? Um, But what you just said really validates that. Oh, I love that. And I will say, too, learning about my human design helped me accept the fluidity a little more because, yeah, reflectors are known. I think my my blurb literally says, like, I'm a shapeshifter or you're the chameleon. And I'm like, okay, so I'm not crazy. Like, it almost feels like I'm supposed to be living this way. And that's why I love astrology, too. And birth chart readings like yours, hearing this stuff is like, yeah, this makes sense. It's just hard when you live in a society that values, you know, staying in one place for a long time, committing to one thing, being rewarded for the tenure at your company. And that's something I've had to very actively try and decondition from. But astrology and human design helps me be like, yeah, I'm not crazy. Yeah, it's a really powerful tool for validation. I don't remember if we talked about it, but I think the, the skeptics or people who, you know, don't think it's real and stuff think it's fortune telling and like we pull out our crystal ball and <laughs> we tell you what's going to happen next week or next month or next year. But really, whether it's astrology or human design or Enneagram or any of those things, they're just tools for self-understanding and self-exploration. I love them. I'm obsessed. So, Chelsea, since it's astrological, I know you know your sun, moon and rising. What are they? <laughs> I'm an Aquarius sun, a Virgo moon, Virgo rising. And... We both have the same sun and rising, which I think is very cool. So I I definitely relate to a lot of the things that you talk about. How do you feel about those? Does any one resonate with you more than another or less? My Aquarius sun resonates with me heavily. I, whenever I read it, I'm like, this is me. I feel innovative. I feel rebellious. I feel disruptive. I feel free spirited. Um, Like I sometimes 
over identify with my Aquarius sun where I'm like, I'm just a full on Aquarius forgetting that all these other parts of me exist. I will say the more I learn about my moon and rising, they, they start to resonate. But what's interesting, and I remember actually asking you in one of your card pulls um, that you did on your Instagram stories, I was like, I almost feel like Aquarius and Virgo are opposing energies in a way. And so having the Virgo moon and rising, you know, your mind just starts to be like, wait, I'm more Virgo than Aquarius. Like, I don't really relate to that. So it's interesting because, yeah, sometimes I'm like, is that me? And then when you have a birth chart reading and, you know, you identify where the placements are and the houses, et cetera, it starts to make sense. But it is something that I still am kind of like, hmm, how does my Aquarius sun and Virgo moon and rising all relate to each other? Mm hmm. Yeah, and I think what a lot of people, talking about conditioning, when it comes to astrology, people are automatically like, sun sign, this is what I am, this is who I am. And we're our whole chart, we have every sign in us, we have every planet in us. So I think that's part of the reason why it's important to, to learn about your birth chart and astrology in general. But I was the opposite. Like, I very much identified with my Virgo rising, and I was like, I'm a rule follower. I'm not a rebel. <laughs> like everything that you just said, I was like, I'm opposite. And it wasn't until my 30s that I started to tap into that sun sign. So I think we grow into our charts over our entire lifetime. So that's part of our journey of like self-discovery is figuring out what is this part of me and how do I relate to it? And how does it relate to my Aquarius sun? Especially because of that conditioning where you're just like, that's me, that's me, that's me. That's my identity. Like, yes. how have you started to kind of dip your toe into bringing those energies together? Well, I know for sure being an Aquarius sun. And I also, by the way, I have, I know you have my chart pulled up, but um, I believe I have a stellium in the sixth house in Capricorn. And then my North Nodes in Capricorn. And so whenever I get birth chart readings, that's something that pops up a lot too, that people are like, you have major Capricorn energy. And that wasn't even on my radar until like a year or two ago. And so what's been interesting is I've started to really um, embrace the grounding energy of Virgo because I am, this is something that I think really relates with me with my Aquarius sun sign. I'm very airy. And I'm always in my head. I'm like constantly in my head. It actually is what keeps me up at night. I have a really hard time sleeping. I'm always just thinking of new ideas and big picture and philosophical questions. And it's really hard for me to get out of that headspace a lot. And so when I read more about, you know, the Virgo energy and grounding and earthing and the um, earth elements, it's something to remind me of like, yes, you need that, especially I think with my body. I think it's something I've learned over the years of I need like grounding physical practices. I need to be doing restorative yoga. I need to be walking. I need to be slowing down. So that's something I've really started to take into account more as I've gotten older. And then with Capricorn, I'm still rectifying my relationship with um work specifically because i'm like i feel like capricorns stereotypically are like the workhorse of the zodiac and um you know especially having a north node and a stellium in there you're kind of like oh my gosh am i just like meant to work my whole life and be this like almost overly ambitious person and there there are sometimes and you know this is my air air head i like to call it always thinking about this um of like maybe my purpose in life is my career and maybe it's not family and other things like that. But it's something that, um, again, birth chart readings help me understand a little bit more about it. And maybe we can even talk about it on this show because it's something that I'm still like, oh my God, what does this mean? Yeah. You mentioned your sixth house and the house systems are a big controversial topic in astrology. Just for anyone listening and for you, Chelsea, like I say go with the one that resonates with you, but know that like 
you can move back and forth between whole sign, porphyry, like there's like 200 different <laughs> ways to break up the houses. I usually start with whole sign houses just because my Virgo brain likes how clean and simple it is. But in in your whole sign chart, your entire Capricorn stellium is actually in the fifth house. And the fifth house is the house of creativity, fertility, perhaps if you look at it in either with the physical or the creative way, the house of play. So oftentimes you can see like where there might be a tension between Capricorn's desire to work and the creative, fun, playful, childlike fifth house themes. But in the highest fusion of those two energies, that to me says your work can be play, (laughs) your work can be fun. And that's exactly to me, at least from the outside, what you're doing. So when I look at your chart and I see all of that Capricorn, including your North Node in that fifth house, it sounds to me like like you're living your chart, like you're living your soul's blueprint already. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I think when I hear it in that context too, like work is play, like that is something, even though it's, you don't have to think of them as opposing or constricting concepts. Um, And I think that's something, even on this trip, I'm realizing, because I told you the time zone difference changed everything. So in the mornings, I'm waking up super slow. I'm like walking, I'm working out, hiking, doing something, going on a tour, and then eating lunch, like taking my sweet time, basically. And I don't even start work until two or three. And historically, that would have made me feel like, what are you doing? You're so lazy. Like, why are you not working at 9am? And it's like that, that's not the point. Like it it actually is to be re-energized and rejuvenated for my work. And downtime does not mean wasting time. Like downtime is actually my time to think and reflect and connect the dots. A lot of what I do is strategy and creative work. And so I'm like, I need that time away from my laptop to connect the dots. So I think you saying that out loud really validates like, yes, this downtime and the play that I'm having, it actually reflects a lot in the work that I'm doing. So thank you for that insight. You're welcome. And I think it all just goes back to our programming, right? And I have also been in corporate America. I still am. And it's just like, I'm deprogramming from a previous job that was pretty toxic. And the place I work now is like, just do your work. And like, <laughs> have unlimited time off. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, are you sure I don't have to start at a like, certain time? What do is all this? Of this stuff? Yeah. And I think, you know, you're an expander for me in terms of how you even just what you said is like very flexible. You're like, okay, I am still deprogramming from like starting at nine and not feeling lazy and I can start my day at two o'clock. And I still, I think you just sent an email or maybe pod episode. I saw it somewhere where you were like, why do we work 40 hours a week? Yeah. And it's like, that is a great question. Like, who said that that is like what we need to be doing? So random. Like I still don't get it. Like it is the most random number and construct that we all just follow. And it, it's wild to me. I feel like it's like factory hours. Like it's like you can make so many widgets in an eight hour day, but like we aren't making widgets anymore. So who cares? Exactly. Yeah. And it's funny because that the thing that you're talking about, there was actually a video that came with that was that, um, we started working 40 hours a week because Henry Ford realized that people weren't buying cars and he switched the workers to start working the five days a week. And so on the weekends, people could spend money and go buy the cars. So it's interesting because it made me even think of like consumerism of like, yeah, we spend our weekends usually like shopping or trying to go buy something or spending all our money that we just worked for. And so that really opened my eyes because I was like, this is even more motivating to not set up my schedule to be this like grinding 
Monday through Friday, nine to five thing if I don't have to. I think that aspect of consumerism is something that's been really top of mind for me lately. My birthday was in February, so it was yours. <laughs> and ever since then, I've just felt like I want to just get rid of everything. Like I want to declutter. I feel like I have too much stuff. I have like visions of how many times I've brought things into my apartment, but haven't taken things out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, it's just been this like perpetual thing. So I'm really thinking in terms of the consumerism and how much I'm consuming, whether it's actual stuff, whether it's groceries that I end up throwing out because it goes bad in the fridge, whether it's, you know, clothes or Instagram content, like everything that I am consuming. And I'm really trying to focus on curating instead of consuming. Like what brings me joy? What inspires me? What is nourishing my body? Like whatever those things yeah. are. And I think it's just so, I don't like the 40 hour week either. <laughs> everything that you're talking about helps us with that perspective shift Yeah. Um, to just be more conscientious. Yeah. And like understanding being at your laptop doesn't actually mean you're working. That's something I have to actively, again, deprogram from even recently. It was like, just because I'm on my laptop doesn't mean I'm doing anything. It's it's just the conditioning for my work where you did have to be like active on Slack. You did have to be emailing people in a very specific period. And that's something that doesn't go away when you become a business owner. You have to remember wait, I'm not being like surveillanced. Like I can actually make my own hours. And it's something I think a lot of us struggle with is like, wait, you're telling me no one's going to ask for a report or like a status update at the end of the day? Oh my God. So it's something I'm still getting comfortable with. Well, and you've been doing this for a while and <laughs> it's still habits that you're like thinking about and, and breaking. So that's... Yeah. And like the travel actually helps. It kind of reinforces that. It's like if I wake up and start working at nine, it almost, it doesn't really matter. Like none of my clients are even awake yet. Yes, I could get ahead of things, but I'm like, no, I'd rather spend the morning doing whatever I want to do. It's not really important to wake up early. So that's something that I think travel, it almost puts me in those circumstances where I'm like, oh, sorry, a different time zone. Can't help you. Yeah. Why would you want to sit at your computer working or not working <laughs> when none of your clients are awake and you're in a new place that you want to explore and get to know? Exactly. Doesn't make any sense. Okay. We took a tangent. <laughs> um, astrologically speaking, is there anything about astrology that you're skeptical about? Ooh, skeptical. Mm, it's not really skeptical, more of a question where I'm always like, who made up all the energies like who decided that the aquarius was the rebellious disruptive innovator who decided that pisces was the dreamy floaty you know what i mean i'm always like who decided it why are we listening to them like that's something i think maybe it's a little <laughs> bit of the aquarius energy that's like what says who like i, I think that a lot yeah. where i'm like what and even the planets of like why is jupiter expansion why is saturn contraction like literally who decided that it's something that often is in my mind I love this question so much because it's like the elephant in the room that nobody's actually thinking about. <laughs> like you're just like, Jupiter's expansion. Okay. Um, I was just looking because I'm reading a book right now called The Archetypal Cosmos, which talks a lot about Jung's work and quantum physics and it brings together all of these very big ideas and how they relate to astrology. So I literally, like, I highlight as I read, and I've used a whole pen, and I'm still not done with the book. Like, it's so packed with just, like, oh tons God. of information. And another reason why astrology resonates with me so much is that it's oftentimes so literal. So 
as you learn about the outer planets that were discovered starting in like the 30s, um, well, Pluto's in the 30s, but like Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, these planets were named and astrologically, nobody really knew much about them. But then during the time that they were discovered, like Pluto was discovered during World War and like all of those things that are death, destruction, transformation. <laughs> As you learn about these planetary discoveries in quote unquote, the modern age, you see that the time that they were discovered reflects their characteristics. And then the names that were chosen for them arbitrarily by astronomers, right, who most astronomers don't believe in astrology, actually reflect the nature of that planet. So that's a rabbit hole to go down if you're interested Ooh, yeah. in that. I will be late night Googling that. Yeah. <laughs> but even the planets themselves, like Saturn is the furthest most visible planet with the naked eye. And Saturn is the boundary between the the inner planets and the outer planets and Saturn has the rings around it. So, you know, there's another element of boundaries and limits. So there's no one person that was like, this is this, that is that. But as you start to learn more about actually the history and the associations with them, again, it's just validation that like, oh, this just is like, this is both a physical expression of whatever that planetary energy is or whatever but then that metaphysical part just kind of falls right into place because that's one of the reasons why astrology works <laughs> i love that that's so interesting about like them being named around the times that they were discovered and like you said the actual representation of like what they look like that makes so much sense it's super cool and Many rabbit holes, many books, all of that stuff, if anyone's interested. But I will think more about it, too, to talk about it on the yeah. Pod, maybe. Yeah, because I'm like, that always pops up in my mind. Because every time I read the Chani app, it is spot on with my astrological insights. And I'll tell my family, I'm like, oh, my God, like, you guys need to get this app and read it and da-da-da. And they're the ones that are super skeptical. Like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? It's like you said, astrology is not, like, it can't tell my future, da-da-da. Like, they don't understand. Mm -hmm. And it always makes me think they're definitely the ones that would be like, who made it up? Who said this was that? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like the devil on my shoulder. I feel like it's their voices sometimes. I mean, it's been validated over like thousands of years. So if you start to stack up the information and I know there are a lot of like heavy hitters in the astrology world who are saying that within the next two, five, 10 years, like NASA's probably going to come out at some point and be like, oh, this one piece in astronomy actually ties to this one piece in astrology. So they won't like validate that all of astrology works, but there will be, there will start to be more scientific evidence behind astrology, especially as it relates to quantum physics. Oh um, I think that's a really oh, got chills one. actually. I'm like, that's so exciting. Cause I just saw something. It's really exciting. NASA just released like photos of like all these galaxies and you're just like, oh my God, there is so much out there. And like, we only talk about the main like 10 planets, luminaries. I mean, there are thousands of asteroids that we could look at in people's charts. So. Oh my God. That's wild to think about. No. And so cool. So cool. I love, I love it. that. I get so excited. <laughs> um, let's move on to the not so rapid fire question section. Take your time. <laughs> love it. Okay, Chelsea, do you consider yourself to be more of an introvert or an extrovert? Oh my gosh. Lately, I told you introverted. I'm like, this is a recent <laughs> discovery. So, and I mean introverted and like I get my energy from being alone. Like I need that decompression, but 
when you meet me, I don't think people would say introverted because I think people confuse that with being shy or quiet. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm like, I think I come off as an extrovert. I'm very social and outgoing, but I recharge by being alone. And you have a fair amount of planets under the horizon, which is like very broadly a symbol that people are more connected to their inner world. Mm. Um, And I think it's really interesting that you're kind of exploring because you're a little heavier on the bottom of your chart, but you do have a fair amount. So you're pretty balanced, but that also gives you the opportunity to kind of play with that and see what resonates with you at a given time. Oh my gosh. That's actually really good to know too, because I had this thought the other day, sorry, a little tangent where I'm like, oh my God, I feel like I'm in my inner world so much. Like I wonder in my life if this will ever turn off. Like, will will I ever stop having all of these thoughts all the time and it is again kind of validating be like maybe maybe not no i mean your capricorn stellium is below the horizon your sun is below the horizon your moon is <laughs> you've got you're meant to be in your inner world okay yeah. this is good news good. yes what would you say is your superpower Ooh, i would say um taking complex information and making it easy to digest which I think is what strategists are good at. I feel like um, that's why podcast coaching really has stuck as something that I love doing because I can tell people get really stuck in their ideas and like, I just don't see how this makes sense. Or like, how am I going to have an episode in six months? I don't understand. And I feel like my superpower is being like, I can see this perfectly. And maybe it is a little bit of that clairvoyant thing where I'm like, I literally Mm -hmm. can see it. Like I, it's easy for me to map out and I can come up with a custom game plan for them in like 20 minutes. And I think that's something that, in the past, I, I didn't really value. I was like, oh, everyone has that. And it wasn't until recently where someone's like, no, not everyone has that. Like a lot of people don't have that gift. And so it's something I'm starting to embrace of like, I love that I can take complex ideas. And I always think about like, would a kindergartner be able to understand this? Like if this is your first time seeing or hearing this piece of content, would it make sense for you? And that's something, it's like a filter I constantly run my teachings through. And so I think that helps a lot when I teach is, is this easy to understand, which I think makes it more than easy to comprehend and for people to actually go do the thing. Cause it's like my nightmare if someone takes a course or class of mine and then like didn't use any of the information, they're like, I didn't learn anything or do anything with it. I'm like, that was a waste of time for everyone then. So I really like to make sure to make complex information digestible and easy. Well, and I think that's a really beautiful expression of your Aquarius sun and your Virgo placements, because Aquarius is able to see the big picture, to understand those big complex ideas. But then your Virgo rising and your Virgo moon is like, well, your moon especially is like, okay, I want to make this like nurturing and supportive and all those things. But all of that Virgo energy is very practical and wants to actually like break it down in a way that's easy to understand. Yes. Someone asked me that like six months ago and I explained it that way. So I'm glad to hear I explained it the right way. I was like, I feel like they, it's like I get the big picture and then I can make a plan for you very practically and logically focused. You got it. That's perfect. What is your dream travel destination? And is it in the next four months? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, I might be coming up um, in Spain. I mean, I just love Spain. I want to live there. We talked about that on my podcast. I'm just obsessed with it. And so like pretty much anywhere in Spain is always a dream. But I will actually say like a place I definitely want to go before I die is Tokyo. I think it looks so fun, so cool. It just seems like another world. And I'm like, that's something that I've been doing a lot of like nature, a lot of European cities. I've been to so many like islands and jungles. And I'm like, I really think it'd be awesome to see a city like Tokyo. So that is on my list. 
Keep us posted. We'll look at your astro map, see what you got going on there. <laughs> yeah, got to see what's going on in Japan for me. How do you bring ritual into your daily life? Great question, Lynette. It's something I'm still working on. <laughs> I literally, especially after moving here and again, like having my whole schedule and everything flipped upside down is something I'm actively trying to work on of like, how do I build rituals and routines again into my life? So to be honest, like I don't really have an answer for this one. And it's something that I still struggle with too, where I'm like, why don't, why can't I figure out like a nice ritual or morning routine or something that I can just come back to and rely on every day. And every single night I go to bed thinking about this of like, what can I do tomorrow morning? Or what could I make? What could I ritualize? And yeah, I don't really have an answer. (laughs) I feel the same way. (laughs) And I wonder if it has to do with our astrology placements only because I feel like that Virgo energy makes me want to have like, do the same thing every day. And like Virgo is wellness and health and all of that stuff. And so I'm really called to that, but then I never am able to actually seem to do it. (laughs) Same. Same. Like every night I go to bed, I'm like, tomorrow is the day you're going to journal. Yeah. You're going to (laughs) walk. You're going to like sit outside and meditate. And it never happens. I've had that vision in my head for a year and I have barely done it. So I'm like, maybe that is also again, part of being the Aquarius and or reflector like shape-shifting is like maybe I'm not meant to have a routine but um yeah or ritual I know those are kind of different things but it's something I kind of experimenting with right now yeah I think embracing the fluidity I guess to circle back to the beginning of the conversation is hard with Virgo energy Virgo energy doesn't want you know I guess it's a mutable sign but um I don't know. I I just very much relate to that. So maybe <laughs> okay, we can good. keep each other apprised yes. of our journeys. <laughs> yes, please. And last but definitely not least, where do you shine brightest in your life? Oh my gosh. I would say probably when I'm traveling or when I'm podcasting. I think um someone actually just messaged me. It's interesting because I don't think I've met this person or I don't think I've worked with them or anything. And they DM me and they're like, you have such a different energy when you travel. Like you just seem so much happier. And I'm like, I think because I am happier, like I know that. And I think um, that's, that is where I shine when I am traveling. But I also think it more, you know, an expression wise is podcasting. Like you'll hear it. And I like talking. I'm a verbal processor. It's something that I've always liked to do. And so I think by having my podcast, it's something that I've committed to for five years and invested so much money and time in and like definitely uh, money wise have not made the investment back in terms of like how much I put into it. But I'm like, I think that speaks to how much I shine there is because I'm like, I don't want to stop doing it. I actually love doing it and feel like that is where I shine. So yeah, I think those would be my answers. I agree. (laughs) I know I'm not the judge of this question, but just in the past few months, having found you and listened to your podcast and worked with you, I think you are, you are where you need to be right now. And you're, you're living your best life, which is very admirable. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. I'm like, whenever I travel, I'm just like, this is it. And that's something that, um, also for people that are a little more unconventional like me can feel a little bit crazy that you're like, is it wild that I want to live in a new country every month or every three months? And I think being around people going back to our, the very beginning of our conversation of community is like when you are around like-minded people who value the same things you do, you don't feel isolated. And I think that's been really important on this trip is to see that a lot of people want to do that. And that's been really validating for me too. 
where can people follow along with your journey? How can they work with you? Yeah, they can follow along at In My Non-Expert Opinion. That's the name of my podcast. And then work with me. My website is just my first and last name, ChelseaRife.com. Or DM me on Instagram. Follow me. I'm happy to chat there. It's just at Chelsea Rife. And I have one-on-one podcast coaching available. I also have a course, Mic Drop, which is coming out soon. That's what Lynette took. And then I also have one-off consults that I just recently soft launched. So if you're just looking for kind of like a quick you know, hit of guidance or clarity, we can just chat for an hour one-on-one, which is all on my website. Well, I personally can't wait to keep hearing and seeing your adventures. Thank you. And seeing how your locational astrology pans out in all of these places. I can't wait. And I, you're kind of the dream locational astrology wise because oh my gosh a little snippet of all these different places so you know most people are just thinking about like moving or like taking a couple week vacation but you're like doing it yeah (laughs) that's why i was like we have to talk before i do this and then we'll do an update because i'm like i want to see how it actually ends up playing out well thanks for taking the time thank you this is so fun we'll keep us posted and we will talk soon bye bye I absolutely love Chelsea's take on living a colorful life. I'm going to add it as a layer to my life curation that I'm embarking on. Not just curating, but curating colorful things. If you want to follow along with her colorful adventures in Cape Town, Valencia, Lisbon, and Split, make sure to subscribe to her podcast, In My Non-Expert Opinion, and follow her at Chelsea Rife on Instagram. Last week, she shared the cutest stories with penguins just hanging out on the beach in Cape Town. It was so cute. And down the road, we will check back in to see how her locational astrology is playing out for her. This is such a cool opportunity to work with somebody who is actually just traveling and spending a longer period of time in different places. So that'll be super fun. If you liked this episode, learned something, or made you giggle a little bit, please share it with a friend, rate it five stars, and I'm doing a giveaway for one free 20-minute mini-reading if you write a review on Apple Podcasts. Just take a screenshot and send it to hi at cosmicmove.com or DM me at cosmic.moves on Instagram, and I'll choose a winner at the end of August. We had a great time exploring Chelsea's chart this episode and, of course, her astro map. You can find a link to her chart in the show notes if you're learning about astrology or heard anything that reminds you of your chart. If you'd like to get a deeper glimpse into your chart or your astro map and your locational astrology, book a cosmic consult with me at cosmicmove.com shop. Wherever you are, here's wishing you a stellar day and see you next time.